Blog Talk Radio. are in the books, Canes fans, and that means it's time to overreact. The Miami Hurricanes only won by 23 points Saturday against Southern Mississippi. Does anybody want to scream with me? Hey! All right. We got that off our chest. No Saturday's victory over Southern Miss was not picture perfect. The offense struggled through the first half, and the defense struggled early as well, before settling into a shutout after intermission and helping deliver a 30-7 victory. But the uneasiness of the day had many members of the Canes Nation walking to the ledge until Texas A&M lost to App State, until Notre Dame lost to Marshall, and until Nebraska lost to Georgia Southern. And suddenly, everybody realized that victories are not gimmies in college football. Victories have to be earned. Now we begin a new week, which already has subplots of its own. For starters, you have a seething Texas A&M team, which blew hosting ESPN game day and was jettisoned out of the top 20 with this big non-conference game approaching. You have the Vegas odds makers still installing the Aggies as a six-point favorite, which either means that they stay detached from their emotions week to week, or they just don't have a ton of respect for the Miami Hurricanes. You have offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis working to determine the identity of this unit. Is the Canes offense built around the elite quarterbacking of Tyler Van Dyke, or is it built around the running game that Gaddis turned to in Saturday's second half to escape from danger? And then there's defense coordinator Kevin Steele, working to build a game plan with a very small sample size of eight to review. Texas A&M ran only 38 plays in its loss to Appalachian State. It played Sam Houston State in its opener with a very vanilla game plan. Does Steele have enough Aggie tape to construct an adequate game plan for this weekend? All those issues and more are on the table tonight as we begin a new edition of Kane Sport Live. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com. We once again welcome you to Canesport Live. This is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3550. That's 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. That puts you in the queue. We bring you on the show in the order that you land on the queue. Okay, so let's talk about these subplots one by one, starting with Texas A&M. The Aggies are reeling from the loss to Appalachian State. That's probably an understatement. But the school has also become a laughing stock because of the disrespect that its yell leader showed to Appalachian State at last week's traditional midnight yell. It's become one of college football's coolest traditions. Last week, it backfired a little bit. Take a look. I had to Google this team to make sure that they were even real. I was really confused because Appalachia is definitely not a state. But sure enough, 
I found them, and they're located deep, and I mean deep, in the backwoods. Just like you would think any hillbilly college that names themselves the Mountaineers. I just hope that these guys can get here tomorrow, all right? Because I know for a fact that half of their football team can barely even read the name on their jerseys, let alone read a map. It's a shame that the only two brain cells that all these guys have left are going to get knocked out by a wrecking crew defense tomorrow. How awesome is that video? You know what I love? I love the lady doing the sign language over there in, in, in the corner as, as she has to try to find interpretations for some of those things that he was saying. But I imagine that they're going to be a little bit more measured on Friday night when they get together for their midnight yell for the game against the Hurricanes. By the way, did you guys see the epic scene in Boone, North Carolina after Appalachian State won that game? Check this out real quick. I mean, look at these guys. Watch this guy that gets ready to jump on this car right here. Boom! Yeah, I hope they have good auto insurance. Anyway, all of this now complicates things for Miami, which is expected to walk into Kyle Field Saturday and replicate Appalachian State's accomplishments against an angry Texas A&M program. App State seized control of the game with a ball control offense, which Miami had success with in the second half against Southern Miss. The dilemma for offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis is that that means de-emphasizing quarterback Tyler Van Dyke a bit, which in a sense is minimizing a strength of the team. A better option would obviously be having the offensive line and the receivers all functioning well around Van Dyke and keeping Gaddis's options open. Van Dyke has yet to have a 300-yard passing day so far this season, but he did throw for 253 yards against Southern Miss even with issues in pass protection and identifying coverages. So Gaddis chose to adjust last weekend by turning to the run game, and he ended up looking like a genius for it. Miami had 12 carries for 24 net yards, rushing in the first half. The Hurricanes ran 35 times for 153 yards in the second half. The Canes scored touchdowns on their first two possessions of the third quarter with that run-heavy approach, essentially putting the game away. Now let's talk about the dilemma that Steele faces in trying the game plan to stop an Aggie offense that simply has not done very much this year. I asked him about it. Kevin, we talked about um, 38 plays. That's like a half a game of a typical game. And their first game was against Sam Houston. Um, you know, I haven't watched Sam Houston, so I don't want to comment too much on their ability level. But how hard is this making your preparation with such a small significant sample size of their offense with this set of personnel that's playing a lot of freshmen? Not as hard as it was the first two weeks. First two weeks, a lot of transfers out, a lot of transfers in, new offensive coordinator that hadn't called it in three years. Okay, so that was really difficult. Then this past week, okay, quarterback out, they've been the Wildcat, they've been Wildcat last year, so we talked about last, you know, they in two or three different offenses in one. Uh, Coach Fisher is Coach Fisher. And uh, you can go back and watch Florida State tape, and you can watch last year's tape, and you're going to see the, the basics the same. And so uh, the 
body of work, who they play, uh, is still his offense. So it's, it's obviously the challenge is great. They're very talented, uh, very, very talented. It's at home in College Station. So, you know, that's, that's a, it's a different place to play than there several times. It's different. So all of those things that really should matter, uh, you have to factor in and prepare for crowd noise, all those kind of things. But what he does and how he does it, the base movements of it, might change. All right. So in a little bit of a bizarre twist uh, in the reaction up there in College Station, they're now talking about Jimbo Fisher possibly giving up control of the offense. Unfathomable. I mean, Jimbo Fisher has been an iconic offensive coordinator in college football for so many years. Has he lost it? Uh, I don't know. You know, it's, it's like I, I always uh, get a little scared to make proclamations like that with guys that have had so much success through the years. But he has struggled if you look back to his last years of Florida State and now his first years at Texas A&M, um, people that are saying that this is not the same Jimbo Fisher might have some legitimacy to their argument. Um, but you know what? I think first that Fisher might try a quarterback change. And I'm expecting um, – I wouldn't be surprised, let me put it that way, if Max Johnson, the transfer from LSU, is Texas A&M's quarterback on Saturday night, just throwing something different out there, trying to shake it up, uh, snap Texas A&M out of this lethargy that they have exhibited in the first couple games of the season. You remember Max Johnson. He's Mark Rick's nephew, okay? And um, it was kind of baffling back then a few years back that Max Johnson didn't come to Miami and wasn't focused on coming to Miami to play for his uncle. Maybe he knew something that Mark Rick wasn't going to be at Miami. No way for his career and therefore, he had to have a different set of criteria in picking his college. But uh, it'll be interesting to see who's the quarterback, uh, whether it'll be Haynes King, who started the first two games this year, or Max Johnson, and I, um, they have a true freshman, I forget his name, who's also supposed to be in the mix. But I can't see Jimbo Fisher throwing him out there against Miami on Saturday night in prime time. I think it'll be Haynes King or Max Johnson. I think there's a decent chance that Max Johnson – gets the nod. All right, so let's go out to your phone calls now. The number is 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit uh, one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. We've got over 100 phone lines, uh, plenty of room for anybody that wants to call in, participate in the show. Uh, if you're driving around and that's your preferred uh, way to listen to the show, you're, we are welcome uh, to dial into those lines as well. Just don't hit the one on your keypad to put yourself in the queue. Uh, so let's begin tonight in the 786, where I believe that's everything 305. I don't know why he's calling from the 786, but I believe it's everything. Uh, you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Gary, my friend, how are you? Doing good, doing good. How are you doing this week? Oh, doing phenomenal, man. Every day is blessed, right? Yes, sir. All right. Well, Gary, I uh, want to touch upon a few things tonight real quick. Uh, I know you got a lot of people on hold there, but uh, when I look at where we are at offensively, I go back to just comfort level. And if you notice, when we played Virginia last year, um, he was on a very short leash, TBD was, based on what Manny 
and uh, Coach Lashley wanted to accomplish for that night, uh, not to put all the burden on his shoulders. But from that second half on, really the middle of the third quarter on, the up-tempo game, I think, has really allowed Tyler to always get in rhythm. He throws the ball in rhythm. And in this offense, he still hasn't found his rhythm. That's the biggest thing that I keep seeing. He just doesn't look – he doesn't look – he looks short mentally, but he doesn't look comfortable physically. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but that's what I keep seeing. You know, uh, he, he I don't know that it's it, – I, I think he was out of rhythm because of Southern Miss's defense the other day, everything. I, you know, they, they were throwing some looks at him that he was not prepared for. Um, I, I think uh, Gatt, I think it was Gaddis that said about 50% of what uh, Southern Miss was doing on defense, they had never shown before. And right. when you combine the right. fact that the offensive line protection was breaking down, uh, it's taking Tyler longer to make his reads because he doesn't really know what he's looking at. And I think that took him out of his rhythm. And that's why his mechanics broke down. And that's why some of his balls were, were going into the ground. And he just did not look like Tyler Van Dyke. You know, and, and it's funny because Coach mentioned that when we played Pitt last year, Pitt runs a lot of the same disguising schemes that uh, Southern Miss implements. Uh, so I, I was, it was curious for me. I was like, you know, by the end of the first quarter, you know, middle of the second quarter, you, you've got to be able to see what's there. And, and that to me was puzzling. Um, I think Matt on one of the Good Morning Cane Sports shows mentioned the same thing. But that's the one thing is, is like if you're going to force the offensive line to execute at a certain level, and they weren't – they didn't look well prepared for what, what the games that were going to be run by by uh, Southern Miss. What I did like was they were able to get back to the basics of football. And say, and I would say even the last drive before the half – and before the half, Gary, they got back into their basic basic offense, and they executed. And then they went ahead and implemented the run game the entire uh, second half. Uh, they did have about four or five possessions that still weren't good in the second half. But you can see that that offensive line, the chemistry isn't there just yet either. So when you look at offense, it's a combination of things, in my opinion. And then the last thing you have to look at is you still only have one wide receiver who's, albeit he's 5'9", five, 5'10", five, whatever he is, he's a little dude. Uh, and you don't have a stretch guy that can get up and get it. So those are some things that when you take into account all these factors – I still think we're a long ways away, and I keep saying this. We will be playing our best ball the last five, six games of the year, offensively anyway. That's that's my opinion. Um, Defensively. I don't don't disagree um, with you. Everything. I've I've been getting a million phone calls this week. People asking me to go on radio shows and stuff and make predictions, and and my real prediction is exactly what you just said. I mean, um, I don't know that Miami looks like a top-10 team just yet and uh, I struggle with making a prediction in this game because certainly Texas A&M has not looked like a top 10 team either I don't think we know what we're getting from Texas A&M or Miami on Saturday night and you know I think anything goes I mean we have no I mean anybody that thinks they know what is going to happen in this football game I mean my personal opinion would be they're they're kidding themselves yeah yeah I mean or you're just looking at through the fan glasses but you know, defensively, the one thing I'll say about Coach Steele is there's no doubt that guy's forgotten more than, you know, most of the, most of the offense coordinators in the ACC will ever know. That guy is just phenomenal, uh, especially with his time at Florida State and then some time over at Oklahoma. When you look at his resume, 
I mean, he's been able to coach effectively and create defensive game plans for four decades now and have a ton of success. You go back when LSU won their national championship and he was at Auburn. Look at what he was able to do in that game. Uh, and, yeah, there were some talented guys that most of those guys, except the one, hasn't fizzled out in the NFL yet. But uh, he was able to really disguise a lot of things and put guys in their best skill set areas. Uh, so when you look at this week, the guy that I think has to be beyond impactful, uh, and sometimes he's going to freelance, he's done it the last two weeks, is, is James. James Williams is going to be the guy that if we end up having a solid defensive performance, he's going to have a lot to do with that, along with a healthy Akeem Messador, uh, solidifying the defensive line and getting a good push and, and putting pressure on whoever's under center uh, this week. And so those are things I look on defense, on defense that have to get better. And I'm going to say this out loud. I might upset some people, but uh, I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked here. I'm beyond shocked that Avante um, is not taking care of business at practice. I'm beyond shocked. Why? Uh, it's not an. Uh, it's, not a, uh, it's, it's not a situation where you can say, well, you know, and Coach Steele mentioned this. You know, sometimes based on who we're playing, we'll have more personnel that fits this or that. That's not it. He's not putting things together in practice, so I've been told. And, and here's a guy that has two kids. He basically needs to be able to go out and make some money, uh, and, and he's draft eligible this year. He should be having – and when you've got Ed Reed there and you've got all these people that are NFL people around, he should be flourishing. And I'm just beyond this point that this kid really is not taking advantage of all the resources he has available to him, and let alone what he's not doing effort-wise in practice. Mario's made it clear. You don't win the day at practice. You don't win each rep. You know, you don't win the day. You can't help us. And I'm I just – you said you're not shocked, but I am, Gary, because I've seen that kid since he was 14 years old over at Deland, and I can tell you, one of the best athletes I've ever seen in the state of Florida play football. No, here's what I'll tell you. Okay, I watched him when he was in high school. And my personal evaluation was that he, he's a good athlete, but he has poor cover skills. Okay. And if you have poor cover skills, that's a lot to overcome unless you're just sitting back in the middle of the field all the time. Well, Kevin Steele doesn't play defense like that. Manny Diaz didn't play defense like no. that. Um, you know, there are times when the guy in that position has to cover a receiver and Cam Kinchins is better than him at it. And it's not even close. Okay. So I'm not surprised at all. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any kind of track record whatsoever there. I, I think we're looking at Avante, the big hitter. We're looking at Avante, the athlete, and we are assuming that that translates into Avante, the great safety, but I don't believe we're there yet. Everything. And, uh, you know, wow. I think that I think I think that the coaches feel more comfortable with Al Blades being the third safety because he's a former cornerback who probably is a little bit further ahead than Avante in terms of being able to cover guys. You know, that's that's my read on it. Well, you know, and you talk about coverage. The kid from Miramar. I mean, I, I told you, my godson coached uh, coached over there for a good five or six years until he went on to. Deerfield, but, you know, he would tell me all the time, this kid can play any position in the secondary force. Brian Ballum. And he got hurt, I believe, last year. Yeah. You're talking about Brian Ballum, right? I think he's a de- 
Yes, I am, Gary. Yeah, uh, Brian. And I, and I, in my opinion, I'm surprised that Al is playing over him. Because if you look at Al, the one thing that Al struggled in high school when kid who was at Oklahoma took his starting spot, you know, his senior year, and he was the year underneath him. When you look at his skill set, is he's never been a guy that's been able to go ahead and be explosive to make plays on the ball itself. Never has done that. And, and, and it, was, it was hilarious to me that when he had the one opportunity, it was like he was trying to, you know, fair catch the damn thing. You know, so I, for me, I'm like, man, I can tell you that kid's skill set there. It, it, I'm, I'm puzzled there because I, I know that Brian's got a better skill set back there, that position. Maybe it's a mental thing. Not sure we're not there. And, and I'm not second-guessing coaches. But just as you just pointed out, you know, you've seen kids play, so you, you had an idea of these kids, what they were probably translate at the next level. So that's one thing that I'm, I, I'm just shocked at because I, I always say one thing. In all my years of being involved in athletics is you cannot teach athletic explosiveness. You cannot teach, you know, speed. There's certain things you can't teach. You can teach all the technique you want, you know, but a guy like Zion Nelson still reverts back, back to his same comfort level and that's his athleticism and his ability to go ahead and move his feet and extend his arms and really get away with a lot of things that he gets away with. So athleticism is always something that, you know, you have to factor in because, you know, it's going to beat you sometimes. And I, I'm, I'm just really I'm, – I'm just puzzled. That we're at with some of our local personnel that we've seen play, and, you know they, know, they know a lot more than us. I get it. I'm just not understanding how some of these kids are not getting better. Well, uh, and that's just disappointing for me, Gary. I can tell you that I've heard for, for a few years now the same things that you're saying you've heard about Brian Mallon. And I've seen, obviously, when I've been at practice, some of those things. And Ephraim Banda, who was the safeties coach, obviously, under Mark Rick, uh, he used to tell me all the time how much he loves Brian Ballum and how good of a football yeah. player he thinks Brian Ballum is and is going to be. And he has only been held back by injuries. Um uh, but, you know, why Al Blades is playing ahead of him, I would say Al Blades asserts himself a little bit more as a, as a personality, as a leader, um, maybe uh, with effort, uh, not just in, in practice as a defensive back, but certainly on special teams. Uh, Al Blades is one of the special teams warriors of this team, and that ingratiates him with coaches. And we can't call it a fluke because this is a new coaching staff that has landed right. in the same place that the previous coaching staff did. Um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds for Brian Ballon because uh, how does he crack that top three? I, I, you know, um, right now he's ahead of Avante. Can he stay, a, can he stay ahead of Avante? Uh, you know, just how does this yeah. move in the future for him? I don't know. But um, right now, the coaches are challenging Avante, and Mario Cristobal made it very clear to him. He can either take the challenge or not take the challenge, but he is not going to be allowed to be a distraction and a sideshow in this program. And I think that's why you saw Avante very quickly restock his Instagram, because he didn't mean anything by that, by the way. Uh, that was done way before Saturday. Somebody just happened to look at his Instagram and started uh, posting on the internet that Avante had taken all his Miami stuff down off, off of his Instagram and people were putting one and two together on that. And it really wasn't the true narrative. Um, but 
um, he, Cristobal did meet with Avante, and I think made that very clear. And, and, and I'll look at the next level of defense, Gary. Uh, you talk about young guys, or you talk about guys that have these high profiles coming in uh, to, to the program. There are two guys that have come in and are getting some tick, and they're going to get more tick. And all we hear is the truth. The one thing I, I really admire about Mario, he doesn't bullshit you. You know, when, when asked about the young guys this week, he said they're going to get more playing time because they're executing, and they're, they're pretty much on target where we want them to be. And they're growing. They're developing mentally, not just physically. The physical component is a given. It's mentally. And he conveyed that in his own way on Monday. So I expect those two kids to continue to get more playing time. And eventually I'm hoping that, uh, that Willie Smith's kid is, isn't too far behind because the one thing I noticed about when him and, and, and Wesley on the field together or, or Wesley and, and Core on the field together there, there's much better communication, and there's there's less breakdowns. I've 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 noticed that. So I think their football IQ is, is solid, uh, and, and I just I hope it translates into them getting more playing time and, and having a bigger impact on the game. Yeah, I don't know how much it'll happen this week because of the circumstances of the game being you know prime time on the road in a stadium with a hundred thousand people. Uh, I don't I'm not sure that's the time to experiment, but um, certainly the week after when the Canes come back home to play Middle Tennessee. I do think you'll start to see those guys more. All right, everything. Thanks for getting us started tonight, man. Always appreciate your call. Be well, Gary. Go Kane. You got it, man. Um, you guys are also welcome. You guys watching on YouTube are welcome to participate in the comments. Benzo Kane says, does anyone else notice that Mario looks stressed in his interviews? I don't know if Mario was stressed or tired or both, but yes, I agree with you, uh, Benzo. There was a, it was a different Mario Cristobal on Monday, and uh, this game means an enormous amount to him. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it's, it's the first signature game of his Miami tenure. Uh, he, you know, he's certainly not intimidated by it. He's been in these big games many times at Alabama and Oregon, um, but he obviously knows this is one of the swing games of this season. Um, and Texas A&M has been a little bit of a nuisance in recruiting for, uh, for Mario and the Canes here the last couple of years. And I think he would love to make a statement to the recruits out there too, uh, certainly from the, the state of Miami, that you do not need to go to College Station, Texas to go to college. We will be competitive in NIL. We will be competitive on the field. There is zero reason for you to make a move like that. And, uh, you know, Saturday, I could think of one guy, uh, really maybe even a couple. You got Hakeem Williams, uh, the Stranahan receiver. I believe Jalen Brown, who is currently committed to LSU, is going to be among those visiting Texas A&M this weekend. And there's others, too. Um, This is a big game for Miami, a big game for Mario. It's a statement moment. uh, And, I'm sure he's preparing very, very hard. So I don't know whether it was fatigue. I don't know if it was, a, a, you know, being a little stressed and anxious. Um, but he was a little bit more subdued on Monday, uh, no doubt about it. Um, let's see what, what else we got here real quick before we go back to, to the calls. Um, all right, I'll keep, uh, I'll keep fishing through those. Uh, the number is 563-999-3550, 563 three five five zero. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. 
Let's go out to the 845. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Greg? Um, how you doing? This- I'm doing well. Uh, I want to start by saying I live about 45 minutes in App State, and uh, Miami better win this week or I'm going to hear a lot of shit. Um, okay. I hope Matt's listening to the show tonight because I want to, I want to take exception to some of his statements this morning. He was saying, oh, we have to go to College Station with 60% of Manny Diaz's players. How would you like to go to App State with 22 three-stars, zero four-stars, and zero five-stars, like App State just did, and kick their ass, dominated that game from start to finish? So there's no excuses, Gary. All right? This is a bunch of shit, all right? Miami has ten times more talent than App State, okay? Mario makes ten times what that coach makes at App State, all right? They don't have coaches like we have. They don't have quarterbacks like we have. There's no excuses, guys. And they did it on the road, on, on on top of it. But, you know, I said that at the top of the show. I mean, the the worst thing that could have happened for Miami was App State beating Texas A&M because it, it makes them angry as a program. It, it gets them working harder at their deficiencies than they probably would have. And uh, they're coming in Saturday night with an edge. And the Canes are obviously going to match their intensity, I think. And uh, But I think we would be foolish, Greg, if we're sitting here thinking that just because App State – played smash-mouth football on Saturday, that that's going to be good enough for Miami this next Saturday because I'm not sure about that. It's one of the many things I'm not sure about this game. I mean, you know, you assume, oh, man, Miami's been running the ball great. App State, I mean, uh, Texas A&M can't defend the run. Miami's going to steamroll them in this game. I can't imagine it playing out like that. It doesn't – you said this morning we threw for 250 yards this week. Even though Van Dyke was terrible. So we had a balanced attack. I don't know what Matt's talking about. We had 200 yards rushing and 250 passing. What is he talking about? Come on. I just want to – and by the way, he's saying it's it's hard to, you know, the first year. How did Mel Tucker do last year? With transfers, he had a good team. They'd be a top ten team. So why can't Mario do that? I mean, he was left with a good quarterback. It's not like he doesn't have any talent. I mean, come on, stop making you giving him an excuse. He doesn't need an excuse. He's a good coach. And Kevin uh, Steele, he knows. Jimbo Fisher, he played against them at Auburn a few years ago. So what's the, what's the big suspense about Jimbo Fisher? I mean, come well, on. Um, Cesar Iglesias, uh, Greg, who's one of our viewers uh, right now, uh, posted in the comments that his concern is that the offense has not shown creativity nor dominance. And he doesn't believe in not showing them what we might have because we need to save it for the game. So he's kind of like echoing what Matt said, 
So, like, I don't know, you know, obviously there's different spectrums of opinions on this subject. You know, I, I'm on the record saying I thought it was a positive that their adjustment last week was to go to the run game and get the heck out of there with a convincing victory rather than, you know, try to pound your chest and, and keep, you know, throwing the ball into a defense that your quarterback was clearly struggling to read. Um, the offensive line was not on its game at all. Tyler Van Dyke was taking hits, which you clearly didn't want him to do in that game. And so they made the adjustment and they focused on the running game in the, uh, in the second half. But, you know, like I said, I don't think that carries over to this game on Saturday. I, I can't imagine that it will. Uh, I'm expecting Texas A&M to have spent the whole week working very hard on their run defense. I think they're going to sit there and say, we must take Henry Parrish uh, out of the game, control their running game, and we are going to make Tyler Van Dyke throw the ball because we don't believe that with our secondary being one of the best secondaries in the SEC and, and Miami not having the same level of receivers as they had a year ago, we don't believe that Miami can beat us through the air. We are going to make them try. That's what I'm expecting the Texas A&M game plan to be this weekend. Okay. Uh, one last point, and I'll get off. If, they, if you want to fire up the team, why don't we have Al Blades do a rant like his father did back in the day? We'll, we'll get the team fired up. You right, never know. I'll talk to you. I'm predicting a, a 28-17 victory. That's my prediction. All right, Greg. All right. Thank you. Thank you, as always, for calling in. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Uh, Let's go out to the 941. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hi, Gary. It's Meister Kane. How are you? Hey, what's up, Meister? How are you doing tonight? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. A uh, couple things uh, that I have for you guys here. I think, Greg, your last caller there, the 845, I think he's got some good points that he mentioned. Um, I think A&M, I mean, they're, they are good, yes, but I think they're beatable, you know, and I think that they can beat them if they do these things. You know, number one, focus. Keep your mouth shut. Play the game. Okay, no trash talking, you know, none of that garbage, okay? Execute your assignments on both sides of the ball. That includes no missed blocks offensively, getting off your blocks defensively, and tackling. And here's another thing I saw, too, when I was at the last game. I saw Frank Latson get open a few times, but the ball wasn't thrown to him. I think it might have been because of the coverage of uh, Southern Miss in that one. Um, And number two, I say be as intense as possible. Be violent in the trenches. You've got to be physical in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I mean, get off your blocks, strike your your blocker on the offense, on the offensive line hard and quick. And try to open up those holes and keep those feet driving so that the bats can get 
into the holes and gain a five, six-yard play on first down. You can do that. That'll help. Number three, special teams. Got to have touchbacks after you score, whether it's, whether it's a touchdown, field goal. And if you got a punt, try to flip the field to win field position, the battle of, the, of uh, field position, okay? Um, if you got trick plays, execute them at the right time if there are any planned, like I mentioned before, okay? Uh, one other thing, too, I was really impressed with, uh, you know, hearing about TVD, Tyler Van Dyke, and the, and the wide receivers working on the practice field and studying film Saturday night. I mean, that's great determination, and I think that's they great driving. They ended up not going on the field. They just watched the film. Oh, they just watched the film? Okay. Yeah, okay. they didn't feel up to going out and practicing in, in the evening. They, they just got together and watched film. Oh, okay. I thought they also worked on well, the practice Well, they said they were field. going okay. to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they had said they were going to, but they ended up not doing that. Hey, Gary, you sound like you're in a box for some reason. You don't sound like you're up front. You sound like you're on the other side of a room or something. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. You, you were coming in better this time when you said really? Oh. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll try to enunciate more clearly into the, into the microphone. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm going to be running sound next year, so <laughs> that's one thing. Go into the mic. If you go like this, you know, you're going to sound like you're on the other side of the room. But if you go like this, you're sound, you sound like you're right next to me. You know? so, yeah, we're working. Anyway. We're, 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 we have a new system this year, so it's, it's a little bit of an adjustment, and we're, we're working on different solutions and stuff to keep making it better. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. I didn't know that from the last show. So, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I was at the game, you know, last Saturday. Uh, I saw that Southern Miss really uh, mixed it up on defense and gave uh, TVD a hard a hard time uh, trying to find open receivers and, and Mallory, the tight end there. So, hopefully, you know, we can create some mismatches with, uh, you know, A&M's uh, secondary, although they're very good. But we'll see. Right? Yes, sir, Mikester. All right. Well, that'll be it for tonight. I'm going to let you go so that uh, you can get some other calls on, callers through on the line there. And uh, let's hope for the best. All right, Gary? All right, man. Go. Thank go Kane. Thank you, as always, for being part of the show. Five six three nine 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 three five five zero five six three nine 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 three five five zero. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go down to the three zero five. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, how are you this evening? Hey, what's up, Adam? How you doing this week? Good. A couple things. One, and this is just my comparison. I don't think if this, we win this the Southern Miss game last year. I love the adjustments in the second half. So hats off to Mario and the crew in, in making a, in changing to a run dominant second half. Yep, that's because right. it was just night and day. Way. What? I said I felt that way. 
yeah. Um, a couple things. One, do you see us, and again, I'm not overreacting to one half, but Josh Gaddis's offense was best at Michigan when it was run-dominated and then you hit the occasional pass. Do you see that as being the norm for Miami's offense going forward? I know it's only two games, so you really can't make an – can't make a definitive statement either way because I like how obviously Henry Parrish has run, but I've also been pleasantly surprised with how fast Franklin has been running the past two games. Uh, listen, if we look at this offense honestly and, you know, without bias and orange and green glasses on and that sort of thing, there is a lack of difference-making playmakers on the offensive side of the ball right now. Um, You know, you do not have a difference-making wide receiver. You do not have a wide receiver that Texas A&M has to game plan for uh, this week. So, you know, conventional wisdom would, would be that this needs to be more of a balanced offense than maybe we got used to a year ago with the up-tempo Rambo-Harley, you know, show that went on the second half of last season. Uh, So I am expecting it to be similar as we go forward. I really am. Now, that said, there's a lot more passing game in this offense that we haven't seen. I'm expecting the tight ends to bust out this week. Um, I think we're going to start seeing Jalen Knighton as a pass receiver uh, in Josh Gaddis' offense. Um, it's not just going to be about the receivers all the time. And uh, I think uh, a byproduct of that is going to be uh, a little bit more of a wide-open offense at times that people are going to like much better than, than maybe, you know. And I, and I think he tried to do it in the first half against Southern Miss, but it just wasn't going well. And at halftime, when you're, when you're only winning – 10-7, and you're lucky to be doing that because yeah. you just scored a touchdown before the half, as a coach, yeah. you have a responsibility to say, we need to get this victory and do what we need to do to get this victory. We'll fix the problem, but we're not going to try to do it right here in 15 minutes of halftime. We're going to fix them on the practice field this week. Let's go pound the rock. We're better than them. Let's, let's beat them up and get out of here with a victory. And that is what they did. And you know, all you have to do is look at all yeah. these teams in college football that are losing every week uh, to teams yeah. very similar to Southern Miss that these games, like I said earlier, are not gimmies, yeah. man. It's like you've got to win them. Well, I mean, a win to win, and you take it any way you get it. That's what I'm saying. Last year, we don't beat Southern Miss, not with the performance, not with the team that I saw last year. But um, a couple other things. Did Mario mention anything in his postseason or postgame press conference about the penalties? More importantly, like just – and I know it's aggressiveness, the penalty on Ja'Kai Clark wiping out that beautiful Henry Parrish touchdown run in the fourth. Um, you're saying did Mario – did Mario – Mention penalties, penalties in inopportune times. Yeah, he, well, he I talked mean, I'm about thinking that. that he talked about that play. I mean, look, they coach these guys to 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 fight to the to the whistle, and um, and they mean it, but they don't mean drive them, you know, ten yards into the bench. I mean, you know, Jakai Clark lost his mind 
for a moment there. He, he was, he was, but yeah, you know, to his credit, he is the center. Yeah. He started that play yeah. in the middle, in the middle of the football field, and he ends up all the way on the sideline <laughs> driving a guy into the bench. Okay, so on one hand, you got to admire the effort that he was putting into it, but he's got to be smarter yeah. than that, obviously. And I'm sure that's how he's being coached this week. Okay, um, and last thing, defensively on the outside, has. I know he's not the tallest guy in the world, but has there? But because he is actually a pretty good at least cover corner, has there been any thoughts of moving to Corey Couch to the outside where Ivy is, and then putting in like a Contra Smith into where into that uh, star position where Couch is? Because even though he's not the world's greatest tackler, I do like Couch at least defensively, like being able to like knock away balls and things like that. Yeah, I don't think you'll see them do that. I think Takori Couch is their best slot corner. I think that's the right spot for him. Okay. Uh, I think he struggled last year when they used him out there at times, and um, he's best suited to play the slot, and I think you'll see him in the slot. Um, I think the okay. reason that you're seeing so much Ivy is okay. that um, Porter has not been the standout coming out of the gate that – he was expected to be when he was brought here in the transfer portal. Uh, they didn't bring Porter here to be a backup. He, he was supposed to be the starter this year, but Ivy beat him out. And, uh, you know, I know Ivy struggles at times on game day, um, but, yeah. you know, he's not out there because they're playing favorites. He's out there because he beat out Porter. No, I know that. And, like, Malik Curtis, I'm sure, is a great game pass. But there were two plays in a row, Curtis – got beat by Franco on the slant, and then he got busted for the touchdown. So that's what I'm saying is against a team like Texas A&M who has burners, that's the concern. Now, where Haynes King throws the ball is another issue, but yeah. it is a you concern. understand what I mean, I'm saying. Foot speed on the outside is a concern. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson is not the yeah. fastest corner in the world. Um, you know, um, and Ivy has been beaten so many times throughout his career by speed yeah. receivers. So, yeah, you have every reason going into this game Saturday to be concerned about Texas A&M's speed on the outside. Okay. Well, thanks for taking my call, Gary. Have a great rest of the show. Anytime, man. Thank you, as always, for being part of it. Um, there are a couple of interesting comments in the comments on YouTube. Uh, WG says that Mario – should replace TVD if he struggles early. Come on, man. Seriously? Like, when has TVD struggled? I mean, yeah, he struggled a little bit last game. No argument. He still had 253 yards passing. They still won by more than three touchdowns. He doesn't have the receivers this year that he had a year ago. You have to accept that. Stop fighting that thought. No matter what you think of Jacoby George, Romello Brinson, um, Latson, on and on and on. They are not Charleston Rambo, okay? This team has taken a step back in terms of weapons on the outside that TVD can hit big plays with. His passing yards are going to be much more station-to-station this year. It is not going to be easy to have 300-yard passing games. I know he had six in a row to end last year. That is not going to happen with ease this year. It's going to be different. This offense is going to be different. Uh, WG, you have to get used to that. Tyler Van Dyke right now, because of his game experience, is 
clearing away the best quarterback in this program. Uh, he is going to be the starting quarterback. And in December, we are going to be debating, does he have enough on his resume to go into the NFL draft? And we don't know that yet. We will have to see how this year plays out. I think we're already seeing it is not going to come as easy as it did a year ago. Um, let me see here. Um, yeah, I mean, Korean Zombie uh, points out how dumb it is to, to say replace DVD. I mean, I, uh, WG, no one's calling you dumb. They're, they're talking about the comment uh, being dumb. Um, you know, the, the bottom line is that that is not going to happen. Not going to happen at all. All right, 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out now to the 954. You are live on King Sport Live. 954, you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, uh, guys, don't hit the one on your keypad if you don't want to come on the show. Let's go to the 239. You are live on King Sport Live. Yeah. 239, you with us? Yo. Going once. You there? Yeah. All right, wait a minute. I'm going to put you back on. Um, 239, go ahead. You're live on Kane Sport Live. All right, come on, guys. Like, you know, don't hit one and don't choke when I put you live. If you got something to say, come on. Say it. Let's go. Let's go to the 386. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, how we doing tonight, Gary? Hey, there we go. Who's this? This is Will. Hey, what's up, Will? Um, all right. Hey, before I ask my question, I will say I'm a, I'm, I'm giving this coaching staff a free pass, being that they're in their first year. But is it just me, or does it seem like nothing at Miami ever get fixed? And we can go back. We can go back to this. All in my opinion, in my opinion, this started uh, during the Larry Coker tenure. It seems like every year, every year, it's something different at Miami. We don't have linebackers. We don't have DBs. We don't have old linemen. It's a problem with the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Every year it seems to be something different. But at Alabama and the Ohio States and the Clemsons of the world, you never hear about any of these issues. Why does it seem like why is it so hard for Miami to just put it all together? I mean, we we're on our fifth coach. Why is it so hard for Miami to just Put it all together. Well, I mean, Mario's only been here for nine months. I mean, well, that's what I say. I get his coaching staff for free pass. Well, you can't turn over an entire program in nine months. I mean, they they've done a pretty good job, I think, um, fortifying the roster for this season and making the team this year more competitive. And they are working, obviously, in recruiting going forward to continue to move the program forward. Um, but it's no secret that recruiting under the former coaching staff was not adequate. Okay. In no way was it adequate. Uh, they did not go head to head for the best players in the country. They did not even try 
to recruit the best players in the country. Okay? They knew they weren't going to get them. They didn't have that kind of juice. Okay? Now you have a program that is fighting it out for many of the best players in the country. They're not going to get all of them. Okay? But they are going to get their share of them, and you are going to progressively see this program keep getting better and better as it goes forward, in my opinion. Now, it has to happen, but I think I see it trending in that direction. But under no circumstance can we sit here tonight on the 13th of September and expect all these things to be fixed already. I mean, that's not, it's not reality. You, you can't turn the roster that fast. I mean, look at it this way. They had 21 players. Um, I, believe, I believe they turned about 21 players, okay? Um, actually, more than 21 might have left. I, I've lost count already, but it's somewhere around 21. That's a quarter of the roster that got turned over in, an, in one off season. That is unbelievable, you know? And um, I don't think you can expect any more than that. Well, like I say, I wasn't being critical of this coaching staff. I, I really but wasn't, I, but it I just seemed not. like. I know you're not. I just wanted to answer your question. You, you know, your question is why does Miami always seem to have a problem? Miami had a lot of problems in December. <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot more than they have today. They still, they still have enough, but, but they had a lot more than they have today back in December. Okay, and uh, my final question, you know, I'll let some others come on. Uh, I'm picking Miami to win 31-27 on Saturday, but I wanted to ask, going into the season, going into this season, what were your expectations of Miami? I said I thought it was a nine-win football team, and I'm not changing my opinion on that. You know, I got to see what I got to see what they look like Saturday night. Um, I, th- I thought it would be a nine-win football team. I think they can win the Coastal playing at the level they played against Southern Miss. I agree. I, I had picked them to go nine and three also. I had, um, I had them going nine and three, and that hasn't changed. But, uh, you know, upon saying that, hey, I appreciate you taking my call. All right, Will. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for being part of the show. Let's go to the uh, 205. You're live on King Sport Live. What's up, Gary? How you doing tonight? Doing good. Who's this? This is uh, There Goes JC4. What's up, man? What you got for us? I want to get your take on something. Uh, I think this – I'm not as optimistic as a lot of the fans out there. I think this may be a night where the offense really struggles to move the ball and it could be turned into a slugfest where we just have to hope and pray the defense doesn't give up an explosive play because based off of what I've seen in the first two games, it, it, and I acknowledge that there may be some there may be some plays that Gaddis could steam up, but if you're an outside team looking at the Miami Hurricanes, you're stacking the box and you're playing man-to-man, and you're daring a receiver – to win in man coverage. And right now, I don't think there is a guy that can. Well, you might be right. And Texas A&M is way better in the secondary than anybody knows right now because, you know, Appalachian State didn't, didn't turn it into that kind of game. Um, smart, wisely, by the way, 
I mean, they were smart how they approached the game, which is why they won. Um, they weren't going to win a shootout with Texas A&M uh, trying to attack their DBs on the perimeter. No way. So, uh, listen, this is a coaching game on Saturday night. This is why Mario Cristobal has this elite coaching staff working with him. It is four nights like Saturday night when you have to go on the road in prime time in a big game and you have to find a way to win. Mario knows how to do this. He did it last year with Oregon when they went to Ohio State and they beat Ohio State. He, he's done, he did it a million times when he was at Bama. Mario knows how to do this, okay? Um, and he has a coaching staff that knows how to do this. And, and, and that is huge for Miami. And that, as much as anything, is what gives Miami a chance to walk out of there this week um, with a W. Uh, because this is not a team that's built yet to do this. Uh, you know, I know App State pulled it up, but this, is, this team is not built yet to do what they are being asked to do Saturday night. Uh, but uh, the combination of Texas A&M not playing great football yet, um, kind of reeling a little bit themselves, some gut checks going on there, maybe a change in quarterback could be taking place. Um, and Miami having a veteran quarterback, or at least a somewhat experienced quarterback, uh, who has participated in games at night on the road. Uh, NC State comes to mind where Tyler Van Dyke played extremely well. Uh you know, I think gives the Canes a chance to win. Uh, I'm just not running around shooting my mouth off on all these radio interviews I'm doing and stuff, making crazy predictions, because there's no foundation to make predictions. You know, I, I think you go up there, you give it your best shot, you have a good game plan, you see what happens. Couldn't agree more. And I think this is actually a game where you will see Gaddis utilize personnel sets, and looks and RPO looks more specifically that we haven't frankly used in the first two games. I honestly love the fact that this coaching staff went into halftime and didn't change anything. I mean, that's what they came out and said on Monday. They said, honestly, we didn't change anything. We told the guys to calm down because all they needed (laughs) to do was just go out physical, Southern Miss, stick to the script, run the ball, get out of there with a comfortable, comfortable victory and save the stuff that, other teams haven't seen yet for Saturday. So I think there's a great chance that we could have some stuff dialed up. Um, I just think this is a game where guys like uh, Keyshawn Smith, guys like Elijah Arroyo, Will Mallory really, really, really have to step up and they got to make contested 50-50 catches. They've got to win their matchups. And especially out wide, I just don't know if there are guys that can. You love that Jacoby George is back. He's probably the best at winning those 50-50 balls, but this is his first game back. You, you don't want to throw somebody into a situation like this and expect them to contribute first game back. So my expectations are pretty low. I hope that they keep it close. I, I love the fact that Kevin Steele is very, very familiar with the environment, familiar with Jimbo Fisher. If anything, it's encouraging that the defense, I honestly am more comfortable with the defense. I think the defense can keep the team in the game for a long, long time, minus the fact we don't give up any explosive plays because uh, we've got some liabilities at corner outside. No, no doubt. The secondary is going to have to hold up. It's going to have to be more than the James Williams show for sure. James Williams and Cam Kitchens will not be able to carry the show themselves. The corners are going to have to show up on Saturday night. 
Because if, if, if you're Texas A&M, you're going after the corners. Just be, I mean, you just watch Southern Miss do it, and they did it successfully. So if you're Texas A&M, you're testing Miami's corners a lot in this game. So let, let me ask you a question. What's, what's the problem with putting Al Blades back at corner? Now, look, he's not the most fleet of foot guy, but neither is Tyreek Stevenson, but they both play physical, and they play with the technique. Matter. It doesn't matter. When he's the third safety, he's matching up against receivers a lot of the time anyway. It doesn't matter. He doesn't have to be a corner. They, they, they match their well, safeties. When teams go three and four wide, the safeties come down and, and do a lot of the coverage. So, yeah, but they're, not, but they're not covering the edge, guys. Why wouldn't we put – Well, they are sometimes – I saw one play the other day. James Williams was out there playing corner. So they used the safeties a lot as cover guys. So that's why Al Blades has an advantage over Avante right now because he's got more experience and he's more polished as a cover guy. I'm not saying he's the greatest cover guy in America. I'm saying he's better than Avante right now. Well, he's better than a lot of folks because in the last game, they saw number 16 lined up out wide, and they said, we're going to him twice. And they kept going at him until they had to pull him out of the game. And DJ Ivy was not much better. I mean, DJ was improved in the second in the second half. But, wow, I mean, it's still the same. He's still a green tree All-American. He's got to turn it over and show up one day. I mean, he, yep. if, if anybody has a short leash in the cornerback room, it's got to be him. Because he – well, I mean, you didn't bring Daryl Porter in to breathe the air on the sidelines. I mean, somebody's well, got to. But he, got he's got to earn his up. way on the field. He hasn't earned his way on the field yet. All right, man. Hey, thank you so much for your call. We'll catch you next week. Okay. Thank you. All right, All right guys. Um, we're going to go to our point-counterpoint segment right now because um, we've got uh, a guest tonight with uh, the voice of the fan, Bruce Warner, that uh, gets me fired up every time I talk to him. He's one of the most talented uh, linguists amongst the Canes alumni out there and uh, always has a unique way of, of, of making his point. So let me, uh, let me bring Bruce and, uh, and Brett Romberg. Uh, whoops, I, I, I hit the wrong button, I think. Um, let's see, there we go. Um, there he is. Brett Romberg. How are you, buddy? Um, welcome, good, man. Good, good. Welcome to the uh, the War Zone here, Kane Sport Live, and uh, Bruce. You know, welcome as always. And uh, a lot of animated conversation tonight, guys. Uh, you know, people were not overwhelmed with the performance against Southern Miss. Uh, people are looking for style points in a game like that, and I'm not sure that's college football today. I mean, college football today, it's a lot harder to win those type of games. You see teams losing them every week, and um, you know, Brett, you, you, you're certainly well-equipped to, to comment on that. Um, do you walk out of a game like that uh, mad at the, at the fact that you didn't win by 40? Or do you appreciate the fact that you made the halftime adjustments, you, you pounded them in the second half, you won by 23, and you move on to the next week? Well, as a fan, uh, I'm glad that we got to see some halftime adjustments finally at the University of Miami. You know, we haven't seen that in a long time. <laughs> uh, we haven't seen, and, I, and ironically enough, I could probably hear Mario Cristobal in that locker room at halftime and, and the onus that he placed upon the offensive line. Because if you look at it, the 13-play drive that came out of halftime predominantly had to do with the boys up front. And it was almost like TVD. They told them, sit down, don't worry about this drive, and we're going to go ahead and put this on our big boys up front because, let's face it, they took the first half off. So I think Mario 
uh, Mirabal, they ended up getting really into the heads of the offensive linemen, who at this point, if you take a look at what they got going on, their size, their power, their speed, which is what Mario and Mirabal are going to be hanging their hat on now on this transition from what used to be to what it is now. Um, you got to ride the big boys, and they'll say it all day long where you're only going to be as good as the guys up front, and I think they're putting a giant onus on those big boys up front. So the halftime adjustment as a fan, yes, I loved it. The fact that we came out and kind of pooped the bed for the first half of that football game, I don't know if it was the heat. I don't know if it was the fact that the guys uh, were, were content with the 70 that they threw up on the team prior, the week prior. Um, I don't think that they probably saw what they were anticipating on scene for the most part. And judging by what Mario Cristobal was, I, I would say, hinting upon in his press conference was the fact that, you know, the scout team is a very important factor when it comes to playing against teams like Southern Miss. And then again, this week at Texas A&M, whatever you're seeing on film, you want that replicated at full speed in a practice setting. My guess is Southern Miss wasn't executing what they were supposed to be executing. And you're looking forward now to Texas A&M when you're dealing with a whole different crew of boys up front than what we just saw last weekend. Yeah, and, and Brett, that's what I'm talking about now is physicality. That team is going to be pissed off. Absolutely. Um, I don't know how good they are, but they're going to be very physical, and we better match the physicality, or else we could be in big trouble. We can't, and we also cannot get off to a slow start because once those 100,000 people, 50,000 of them drunk start getting on our guys, it's going to be ugly. You're talking Well, if you, if you think about it, you know, before, if you were to tell me that this was going to be a college game day game, it was going to be played at College Station, where you got a bunch of rampant Texas drunks running around all afternoon. <laughs> I, I would be, I would be excited about the opportunity, to be honest with you. Um, kids calling out their coaches. Obviously, that's what went down last weekend. The kids saying that they don't believe, or they're not basically drinking the Kool-Aid of what Fisher's got going on over there. That's a direct slap in the face of the coaching staff. So you better believe that the higher administration probably had some meetings with the coaching staff saying, why is the players airing out dirty laundry like this in front of national media? Number two, what I think might be happening is the coaching staff said, okay, you guys might not be bound into what we got going on. Let me go ahead and give you the most simplistic game plan so you guys don't screw anything up and you can't point the finger at us. And now it's just going to be a man-on-man situation. And now we're going to see who's the dogs. We want to see our big boys up front handle what they're supposed to handle. The four down linemen are going to swallow up, hopefully, is what they're thinking, swallowing up our big six foot five, 325 pound offensive linemen. Um, it, it's a chip on the shoulder game for Texas A&M. And I know the pendulum has shifted a little bit by saying that the University of Miami now is slightly favored in this game. But when you got pissed off, college football players and pissed off college football fans, a whole town now because they just got robbed of college game day and it's heading to the team that just robbed them of college game day. If that's an ornery hundred and what, 2000 and change. And if you want to add the players, another hundred. Yeah. It, it's going to be a very hostile environment for the university of Miami. Yeah. And, and the other thing is they were telling the fans were screaming about Jimbo's offense. He's boring and conservative. Yeah. Now, they don't have the quarterback to make it the other way. So that's, I really expect it to be very physical. They'll probably have a lot of short passes, and screens, you know, flare passes, nitty go to the tight end. I don't know if they're going down the field because they're afraid for this kid. But on the flip side, if you're Miami and you go in there and smack him in the mouth early, 
get those fans turning against Jimbo right there in that stadium. I think how we start out is very important, very important. A hundred percent. And I think, again, obviously I'm biased, but I believe that a lot of that is going to be up front, both sides of the football, both our defensive linemen and our offensive linemen. I think more so on our offensive side of the football, because if you look at if you look at the two columns, the statistical columns of like, you know, yards allowed or yards given up, the reason why they're so swayed is because they're playing tight games. We have not played a tight game in the last two weeks. So if you look at yards given up or yards against, it's because the teams that we're playing against are always having to come from behind. So they got to throw the football. They have to put up the football and they're not going to be rushing the football. If you look at what their defenses did, Texas A&M's defense, it's pretty strong. They gave up like a 45-play run or something like that at the end of the game last week because they were dog-ass tired. I, I think you're going to see a total different animal this week. My guess is probably Von Miller's giving some motivational speech over there to his <laughs> former team. Um, you're, you're, you're dealing with now dogs that are looking to put something on tape going against the University of Miami. Who, Again, you know, when you're dealing with the top 15 rank, I think it's a ghost ranking, but if you're dealing with the top 15 ranking, you're getting your NFL tape ready this weekend. And those dogs up front there are NFL-capable men. So I'm interested to see this dynamic battle. And, you know, Parrish being a pounding running back, uh, they did give up some yards after contact last weekend too. So, you know, look for that. They're probably going to be wrapping up. And unfortunately for Parrish, he's, he's going to leave this game with some bumps and bruises, more so than he has in the last couple of weeks, that's for sure. Hey, Brad, a, co- a couple things um, that I wanted to ask you. Okay, so – as an offensive lineman, you're looking at the halftime adjustments last week, and we've been having debate about this all week amongst the fans at Kane Sport. Um, I love, personally, the halftime adjustments. I had no problem that the halftime adjustment was to run the football. Um, I love passing game, too. I, you know, I love deep balls and all the flash of football as much as anybody. But I saw what was going on in the first half, and Southern Miss was successful in confusing Tyler Van Dyke with their coverages that, that they had not prepared for and had not seen. You know, congrats, yeah. congratulations, Southern Miss defensive coordinator. Um, the offensive line was not playing well. Uh, right. He was getting pressured like crazy. So, like, why? what are you going to sit there and beat your head against the wall for? Your passing game is not working. You're in a 10-7 ball game, and you're lucky to be up 10-7. You scored just before the half. The way to get out of there – was to pound the rock, use your running backs, uh, and they won by 23 going away. So my first question to you is, is there shame in that, that that's what they had to do to win the game against Southern Miss? And then how does that cross over into this game this week where you were playing a Texas A&M team that just lost to Appalachian State, which played smash mouth football? Um, You know, I've been saying, like, don't assume that just because Appalachian State was successful playing smash-mouth football that Miami's going to be able to walk in there on Saturday and play smash-mouth football too. These guys are going to have been working on their run defense all week. Um, I would love your opinion on both of those subjects. Well, you know, football is usually, especially if you're dealing with an offensive coordinator who, who's a schematic guy, you're going to be taking what defenses give you ultimately. But we're dealing with Mario Cristobal. We're dealing with power, strength, ego, uh, physicality is the main thing that you're dealing with on this team, right? They want to establish a new physicality on this program. No BS, no nonsense, no, uh, no narratives or drama, obviously, behind the scenes. 
And I think they're just going to go ahead and try to do this with brute force, to be honest with you. I think Mario wants to really plant his flag in the ground right now of putting two guys on their one guy up front, moving him off the football, and trying to bury him in the lap of a linebacker. And I, and I think our running backs are – they better get their mouthpiece. They better have an extra mouthpiece in that cart, too, because they're going to be chewing through one of them. Uh, and I think it's going to be a very, very physical game, to be honest with you. TBD, I don't care if he, I don't care if he goes 50% this weekend. I really don't. I'm, I'm one of the fat boys. I want physicality. I want running game. I want them to establish that because we know, we know Tyler can throw the football. You know the opposing defensive coordinators know that at this point in time too. They're going to be doing the same thing, disguising blitzes, rock and roll and safeties. Hell, they might even stand some of the defensive linemen up and make our offensive linemen identify a little bit trickier of a defense. I think at the end of the day, we're hanging our hat on those big boys up front, man. I really do. Running the clock out, um, beating the hell out of A&M. Just going up to College Station, like Mario said, a business trip, kicking ass and taking names and getting back on the bird and coming home. Um, You know, I'm thinking a little differently, but I'm thinking maybe um, they come out and throw some swing passes to Rooster or maybe Parrish in the flat, because you know they're going to try to stop the run. You know, Mm -hmm. now, I don't know if you know this, but Texas A&M runs a 4-2-5 defense. Then we have two linebackers. Yeah. So with that set as an offensive offensive player or center, what would you do to attack that? Because I just looked at it in, the, in my magazine. They're running a four-two-five. They are. Yeah. Yeah. They, you, you you probably want to take away some type of dimension of that defense, right? And, and I feel like if you have racehorses up front, you got a big dude that clogs the middle. They're trying to penetrate, so let them allow their athletes to create natural running lanes. So if you want to give a play action, if you want to get those defensive ends screening up the field, thinking that they can go ahead and sack Tyler, act like you're doing a nice little you know, drop back pass and just hand it right off and let that running back, our athletic running back, cut through some natural lanes and hopefully one of our big offensive linemen can shed or wrap block around and get up on a linebacker. And once you take away one of those linebackers and the timing is right, that running back is planting his foot in the ground right around the same time that that uncovered lineman is going to the next level. If you're dealing with now five DBs that are running vertical, right. you're dealing with a good 15 to 20 yard gain every time. So if they're getting a little bit cheap and, and you know, they're getting a little hungry and those defensive front are trying to scream up the field and create havoc. Yeah. I think those natural running lanes will end up being there. Well, in conjunction with that though, I think Miami's got to try to throw the ball down the field to get those safeties out of the box. Keep them on we're, we're going to have a problem. So we've got to do something early to try to get maybe Keyshawn Smith or somebody down to at least get him think that we're going down the field. And if they are going deep, you know, you're always going to get the opportunity to possibly, this this might be the game where we might see our tight end come alive too, you know, something underneath where you're going to find a 20-yard hole between a linebacker and a five shell, you know. So you're going to start to see our offensive coordinator probably rise to the top a little bit more this game as well with schematics not just you know making mario crystal ball type football where they're pounding the rock but you also might get some schematics in there where you're finding dink and dunk stuff behind linebackers in front of defensive backs hey Brent, you've been out you've been out there get the ball to this guy to let him run up the field so absolutely okay. gotta do that hey uh, you've been out there uh you know and i agree with everything you're saying but like do we have the personnel at this stage of Mario Cristobal's evolution at Miami, do we have the personnel on the offensive line to play the style of football that you're talking about? Because I agree with you that he is going to want to do that um, against an SEC defense, which is not Southern Miss. I mean, with all respect to Southern Miss, 
this defense, even though they just got beat, is going to be better, more, you know, more physical, uh, better athletes. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I can probably give you an example of why I think we're really damn close is when I would go to practice the last couple of years, you'd see some guys that are on the sideline, either walking around in a boot or they'd be at green tree, riding a bicycle, you know, trying to stay in shape on the side, but they're usually yucking it up and couldn't wait to get excused out of their mouth of why they're not playing, why they didn't do well, why they're hurt, how they got hurt. This time, those guys that weren't practicing, which were the very few, were hiding from me in embarrassment because it seems like the mentality <laughs> is very damn well on its way to being where it needs to be. Because when you're starting to feel embarrassed that you're not contributing to your teammates, it becomes more of a, it's not about the coaches telling you what to do anymore. It's about the players and being accountable to each other. There was zero accountability over there before from the freaking Tate Martells of the world, being able to get let back in the door three or four times over to offensive linemen trying to fight each other in between practices. It just, it didn't make sense. And now that, that, that distraction or that there's, first of all, you don't have any goddamn energy after practice from what I've heard in terms of Mario Cristobal with these guys, but there's just no room for that. It, it's, it's not winning. It's not adding to being successful. It's not productive. It's not going to win you an ACC championship and Mario will not put up with anything other than what is going to make you one and oh, and whatever you're doing all day long, every day. These kids are having their own meetings. They're calling their own meetings as position groups, I know of two of them in the last few days, the, the quarterbacks and receivers called their own meeting and the DBs yeah. called their own meeting. Um, I know of a player, I'm not going to say his name because it's his personal business, but I know of a player who turned down $1,000 last night on an NIL deal that he could have had yeah. to, because somebody had called a position group meeting inside the building at the same time that he was supposed to go make his $1,000. And he said, I cannot go do my NIL because I got to attend this meeting with my position group players. Um, these are great, great things that we're seeing within the program, Brett. Yeah, it's, it's, it's starting to smell like cane football, like, like old cane football. Um, it makes me really excited, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, I'm, I'm – uh, I'm not saying I'm in any NIL deals with these kids, but I, I know exactly what you're referring to and what you're talking about. And for a young man, you know, that, that might help. I don't know. I, I don't think I ever saw a thousand dollars in college. So if, 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 if you have an opportunity to make that thousand, you're turning it down so you can have an extracurricular meeting with your teammates and you don't want to let them down. You don't want to be out of that room and have them talking bad about you because you wanted to go make that thousand bucks, regardless if you wanted to take them to dinner or not. Um, yeah, I, I think that I think that's special, and I think a lot of that is is not only just Mario. To be perfectly honest with you, I think a lot of it has to do with everything from the strength coach, the position coach, the former coaches in that building. Like hell, you, you've been on the practice field when you've seen guys like Jason Taylor there and Ed Reed and Mario and that freaking big giant defensive line coach. I was standing there the other day and I was like, God damn! I think I think we can whoop any coach in America, any staff. Whatever college it is, any staff in America, but it just seems like there's a, a certain sense of accountability and teamwork that's going on over there. And I, I know we, we say it all the damn time with whatever regime comes into town, but it's just different now, you know. Oh, Mario, no, this Mario is, real. is one of ours. It really, like Mario, really is one of ours. You know, 
Diaz, nah, just because he grew up here, Florida State guy. Mark Rick, I'm even going to go hell now, too, because, you know, Mark Rick's a Florida State guy to me. I, I, and, and Georgia, obviously, guy, but more so on the FSU side of things for me. And, and I, just, I just know what Mario's about. I really do. I know. And I, God damn it, that press conference, I was intimidated the minute that he gets to the microphone and he's scowling. Like, his freaking brow is tight, and he's, like, looking at I would, I'd be nervous to ask a goddamn question, but of course, he's talking to Pat Riley. You know what I mean? It's like, Jesus, man, you want to fight me or answer my question? So, yeah, he's, uh, it, it, it's intense over there. Everything is intense. Speaking of the NIL, a thought. You think Texas A&M players, with all the money that they spend for these kids that are coming here this year, they're freshmen, could that cause some inner turmoil? Because we've always discussed it, but now that the season's is it possible that some of those guys that have busted their ass for Jimbo for three years are watching these kids with a hundred thousand, half a million, a million dollars coming in, and they're just pissed off? Is it inner turmoil? They're not on the same page. Is, is that something that's possible? Yeah, there could be a lot of jealousy going on. But but if, the way I would analyze it is is the same way that you're looking at a player that's not making any money competing with somebody for a starting job, and whether you're making that teammate of yours put nothing but his best on the football field to try to compete for that starting job. What, what's that guy going to say? Like, obviously he didn't make that money because he wasn't good enough or he's not able to. There, there's a reason why. And regardless of, of whatever kind of off the field activity you might be getting sponsored by, uh, if we think that it's bad now, if the NCAA doesn't get some sort of handle on this, like something, some type of restriction, it's, it's, it's growth is going to be astronomical, like astronomical year over year over year. And, I, you know, I, I want the guys to make some money for their likeness. I really do. But it's going to get to the point where, you know, you're an 18 year old kid. Now it's going to be 16 year old kids. And what's it going to go to all the way down to like seven on seven teams locally? Like, I feel like they need to find a way to, to structure this a little bit better. Um, so, so Brett, uh, you know, Tyler Van Dyke comes into this season, obviously looking to have a big year, and things have changed around him. He doesn't have the big play guys that are going to get down the field the way Rambo did and, 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 and make the kind of plays that Rambo made last year. It's a different type of offense, and uh, he may not be able to put up the same kind of numbers as he had. He had six straight 300-yard games to right. end last year. He, he hasn't had one yet this year. We'll see what happens Saturday night. Um, how, do you, how do you think that affects him? Well, if, if you were to ask me if it was a guy, you know, who's, who's an outspoken, prolific uh, glory hound, then, then I think it would seriously mess him up, and, and it would probably ruin him for a season. If you might want to talk about some of the previous quarterbacks that have donned the U helmet in the last decade, I think it would have probably crippled him. But this kid reminds me so much mentally of Dorsey, like so much to the point where you try to talk to him, he's dry as a popcorn fart, just <laughs> nothing, nothing elusive, nothing funny. Like you try to crack a joke, he's not interested in giggling or laughing about it. He's cool. All he wants to do is win and play football. And I love that. It's, it's almost like, you know, you can see on, on, on the Bills uh, game against the Rams, how fun how much fun Allen was having. He was, he was literally getting, having the best time of his life, stiff arming defensive backs in the NFL as he's running the football. Um, I don't see Tyler giggling and laughing just yet, having fun on the football field. 
But I imagine that's going to be coming in the next few weeks. I really do. And the reason why is I think if he's going to figure out a way to be successful, other quarterbacks might wait for a coach to try to help him in some certain you know, instances. But I think, I think Tyler will find his own way to become successful. He'll find his own niche. And he'll find his own way to get his wide receivers the football alongside, obviously, his offensive coordinator. But, but that kid's special. There's a reason why, you know, he did so well last year. And he's looked to do so much better this year. Um, I think he's a special individual. And he's going to find a way to go ahead and create this opportunity for himself. And, and all he wants to do is win. So if his stats are 15 for 31, but they win, he may be upset with himself. But he's going to be jumping up and down in that locker room. Absolutely. About winning. And the winning is really going to take care of where he may go next year. Because of realize how damn good this kid is. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously coming from the 2001-2002 team. Yeah, there was a lot of guys that were pretty freaking amazing. <laughs> but, uh, but, but the accolades and all of the national attention and the individual awards were, were almost laughable for us. Like it was, like, We didn't even really pay attention to any of that, to be honest with you. We just knew that one day, you know, I was with Dorsey, with the ESPN, Maxwell, Outland Trophy Award thing, and then it was like a, a Remington thing, and then you had, you know, Ed Reed going to do his thing, and it was just the amount of awards. It almost got it almost got boring after a while, to be perfectly honest with you, that there were so many awards handed out to guys, and we couldn't care less. Half the time we were looking up the award thing, what is he, what's this award for? Like, I've never even heard of this award before. So um, but when, I, when a guy does that, and, and you can hear it in the way that he answers his questions, too, on media day about – you know, when they're trying to create some kind of individual answer out of Tyler, it's always the collective, you know, team this and we that. So you'll never hear me or I really out of his mouth. He'll always circle back and make sure it's about the team. Um, what have your initial thoughts been on Alex Mirabal watching him coach off- offensive line? Uh, he's, he's one of the more unique characters I've seen in my time at the U, but He's so effective from from what I can certainly gather. Your thoughts? Yeah, I. Um, it's funny. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't uh, Mario Cristobal's camp that he had. Uh, not it's not called Paradise Camp. It Legends. It wasn't at Legends Camp. It was at something else that we did. And I went ahead and I asked Alex about a certain technique that he was teaching the kids. Because I was like, what the hell is that technique? I've never even seen that before. And then within 35 seconds instead of giving me some BS answer, he hit like nine points of the reason why he's teaching that. And at that point in time, like, you know, you have a former NFL guy coming up and trying to question a head coach. And you might figure like he might be rattled or not a head coach, but a position coach. You figure he might be rattled. Like, like all of them in the past were, you know, you go all the way down the line and all the offensive line coaches that became very um, apprehensive about responding to any questions, either myself, McKinney, Joaquin had of why they were doing certain things in there. And, you know, the walls get built up, and then now you're no longer allowed to go back over there. Um, but, but immediately, Mirabal rifled off every single scenario, answer, uh, positive, negative, uh, like what you can get yourself out of and into. And I was just like, this guy's legit. Like, he is so legit, and he's so little, and you would never expect him to be coaching the Giants that he's coaching. The fact that the guys are so much bigger than we were. It's like you have a bunch of Vernon Carries and Brian McKinney's just walking around that place now. It's just it's, it's crazy to me. And the fact that you know four foot seven Mirabal is in the right in the middle of it, teaching these guys how to play the most difficult physical land of giant position on a football field is just it's remarkable to me. And he's doing an unbelievable job, just relentless, just like Mario. Wait another year or two. They are recruiting on the offensive line like there's no tomorrow, man. 
I know. And, and obviously, I, you know, that's what's going to win them champion. You saw what happened with the Dallas Cowboys when they figured that out after a few years of first-round draft picks. You know, they almost became unbeatable. And, and I think they're, they believe in what they're doing. And I love the fact that they're going all over the place to get them, too. It's not one of those paper champs that, you know, that you'll get from some kind of writer down here that's getting influential tweets and, and, and Instagram account stuff that's going to be helping somebody get on a, a football program on a scholarship. It's like guys that are coming from Polynesia and, and Oregon and Portland. You got that whole area. Like, yeah, it's, it's freaking awesome. And Mario Cristobal, once again, man, like recruiter of the year, you know, just relentless. Uh, Bruce, I see, I see you're wearing your Caneswear. You're wearing your Caneswear shirt tonight. Um, I, I, I was talking to, talking to Brett over at Canesware earlier today, and uh, he says business is unbelievable over there. Um, Good. You know, Brett, you know, when, when you look at the excitement, you know, that, you're, that we're seeing around the program uh, right now, I mean, if, if they're able to beat Texas A&M Saturday night, I think we're going to see it go to a, a whole other level. Yeah, I'm, and not only that, but, you know, it, it justifies a lot of the checks that the school is writing. Like, if you look at the amount of money now that is being pumped into the athletics, not just football, but the athletics. Obviously, football is going to be your giant sledgehammer, but, uh, but athletics in general. Um, the administration is all in, like all in beyond all in, whether from the president to the vice president to the, to the CEO of the university, athletic directors. Christ, I, I don't know if people know how much the athletic director is getting money, but he's getting like buku money. So like, oh, this was this was the two, this was the higher gun. Yeah, exactly. This yeah. was the higher gun. So, you know, although fundraising, you know, is going to be a giant part of it, but but the justification that happens on Saturday, it's like the high fives just not only happen in the parking lot. You know, in the owner suites and in, in, in the president suites and the AD suites, those high fives are just as powerful, man. So they're, they're they need that justification on why they're spending this much money on coaches. So if they win Saturday, there's your answer. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, and so let me ask, we've heard for two weeks now on this show, the show we do with Lamar, that Miami's offense has been holding back and not showing a lot of things. I'm sure there's some new wrinkles they're going to bring out Saturday night, right? And I'm sure that some of the things they ran, there's, there's plays that are offshoots of that. So when A&M looks at the film, they say, oh, but this is, this is where they're at. This is where they're going, what they're going to do. But I'm sure they're, they're planning for other things. Talk about how that evolved. Um, after playing two games like this, relatively, you know, spot the offense is relatively average. You know, not not dynamic, not wide open. How do you how do you create something going into a physical game like this? If I could equate it, it's almost like um, it, it might be like the NFL preseason, but it would be more along the lines of game two and three on a what used to be a four game you know NFL preseason where. The starters are in there getting their work in, making sure what the coaches are teaching them is getting through their blockheads. Um, the repetition is there. The muscle memory is there. And then you're going to start to see guys being able to anticipate a little bit more now. And, and you know, after, after a long summer together or spring, and now you're dealing with a couple weeks of playing football, the hostility of a road game in a short work week and the breakup with a flight and the hotel stay – the maturity level, obviously, is going to be checked, um, making sure that these kids aren't acting a fool in a hotel room or staying up late or doing things of that sort that sometimes happen with a younger, immature team. Um, but you're also going to be highlighting the fact that it's time to go now. Like, week three, these young men are needing to anticipate and not be so robotic. So whether they're teaching 
certain techniques that you're going back to fundamentals, you know, things that are just concrete, that are just supposed to be muscle memory. Now you can start, you know, building on those things where if you're doing certain games up front where like a defensive end and a tackle are, are running games on the defensive side of the football and your offensive linemen are able to go ahead and anticipate and work a lot better with each other with their eyes closed now. They can feel each other. They know which which guy is weaker at this. They know where their tendencies might be. All we can practice, you might be learning now certain calls that you could be doing, certain trick calls that you could be doing, ways to mess with certain players. Let's face it, defensive linemen aren't the smartest tools in the shed either. So whatever you can do to try to create havoc for them, because let's face it, defense is just about attacking. Their responsibilities are much more minimal than it is on the opposite side of the football. And, you know, vice versa, the same way when you're dealing with our defense. You've got guys that are not so robotic with gap responsibility anymore. They're, they're being able to anticipate, attack, play, swarm, and they know where their guys are supposed to be. Where we got ourselves into trouble in the previous year is that certain guys are trying to do so much and trying to pick up the slack for other guys, they're not relying on the fact that each individual has their own job, their own responsibility to play together. He's Brett Romberg, everybody. I hope you'll come back. Um, always love talking to you. Uh, thank you. Um, thanks for all your insight tonight. Would I be putting you on the spot for a prediction, or are you going to be like me? And like I've been telling her, I am not making predictions on this game. I mean, it, it's it's uh, just too hard to read for me. How would I go with the offensive line? I'm going to say the offensive line is going to probably make these guys run for about 180. I think we're going to get about 180 yards rushing this really? week. That might be. Because I think, there, I think there's going to be a lot of quitting that's going to happen. I think, I think you know, hopefully, God, not on our. Um, I think on their end, we'll, we'll, we'll break their back. I think we're going to break their back, to be honest with you, especially if it's the relentless two bodies on one up front. If they don't want to change their defensive scheme, it'll be a long day for them. And we're very well conditioned. Everybody knows that lives down here in South Florida. It's been damn hot. It's yeah. been unbelievably hot. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see how these young men perform at College Station. 100,000 people being on the road. I want to see some, uh, I want to see some quieted fans coming out of halftime, to be honest with you. But yeah, I, I think the Canes are going to go ahead and do them in. I'll probably, I'm, I'd, I'd give them a, uh, I probably, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to go 10 points. I think the Kings might win by 10 points. That would be huge for the program. Brett, thank Absolutely. you Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. We'll have you back at, at, at some point. Always love to hear your opinions, Bruce. Thank you also for coming on. We'll I see you tomorrow night on the Lamar Thomas show. And uh, we'll see how they do Saturday night. It's going to be uh, yeah, a, a big moment. So thank you, guys. Thank well, you for having me on, man. Always. I'm excited to tell. And go Kings. Okay, always. Baby, go Kings. Bring it home. All right, guys. Thank you. All right, man. Brett Romberg's awesome, man. I, I, I love talking to him. It doesn't matter whether it's a live show like this or, or, you know, just at uh, Kane's fest or whatever. He's, he's, he's phenomenal. Um, all right. So um, we got, we got a, a lot of things to do here. Uh, first I mentioned Kane's wear and um, you know, we, we typically will, you know, tell you a lot about what they have in the store and stuff. They are selling so much merchandise over there um, that I can't do that tonight. But I will show you uh, a great new commercial that they made for our shows. Welcome to Canesware. Family owned and operated since 2010. 
Chains Wear has all the latest merchandise for the Miami Hurricanes, Miami Dolphins, Inner Miami Soccer, and more. Come visit us at our store in Davie on University Drive, just south of I-595, or online at Caneswear.com. Caneswear, the spot Miami fan shop. All right, let me get back to these uh, YouTube comments for one minute, then we'll go back to the phone lines. Uh, WG, please stop spamming the comments, okay? Jake Garcia is not taking over for Tyler Van Dyke. As long as Tyler Van Dyke is, is healthy, uh, you're posting with an agenda. I don't know why. Please stop doing it. You're polluting our chat tonight. Um, Korean Zombie is asking about Graves and Rogers, the two freshman corners. They are doing very, very well. I don't think that primetime national TV, Texas A&M on the road Saturday night, is going to be the bust-out moment for those guys. But they are progressing. I think you will see them at times during the season, and they're both um, doing very, very promising. Norman Smith, my friend, who is saying, don't forget that I absolutely raved about Romello Brinson. Norman, I've never seen anybody that misquotes me more than you, uh, whether it's the message boards or the chats or whatever. Listen, I raved about one thing involving Romello Brinson. First of all, I like Romello Brinson. Great kid. Okay, he had one catch last year that was worth raving about, that one-handed catch in the end zone for a touchdown. In general, he's not totally there yet. You know, he, he's, 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 he hasn't been able to respond to strength and conditioning the way he needs to and, and build up his legs and his, and his body so that he can compete consistently with the cornerbacks that he faces on the college level. That's why you see him make these appearances every now and then. And I think that that's what you'll continue to see this year, an appearance every now and then. He, um, he has a lot of work to do to take his game to the next level. And uh, so rave, no, I have not raved. I like him. Um, I love the spectacular plays, the one-handed catches that he loves to make and can make and does make from time to time. Is he an every-down receiver for this football team right now? I don't believe so. Um, you know, I, I think Keyshawn Smith is way more physically equipped to try to fill that role. Um, to Colby George, Latson, I think are in a similar category. You'll see them make occasional appearances. Uh, but Miami right now is lacking a true dude other than Xavier Restrepo, who you can count on down after down after down to make plays out at the receiver position. Um, I'll get back to more comments. I want to go back to the phone lines. Uh, let's see where we're at. 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the 419. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Hey, Gary. How are you doing? Doing great. Who's this? Oh, this is Ohio Kane. I think I talked to you a couple weeks ago. Yeah, man. What's up? How are you doing this week? Oh, I just uh, doing great. Just wanted to call, maybe give a little bit of my perspective on the game, and maybe see what your take is. Um, Go for it. Okay, uh, you know it's funny that Romberg was mentioning um, the offensive line, and that was my biggest concern coming into this game. Some of the missed assignments in the in the southern in the southern miss game definitely concerned me. Left room for concern because I'll be honest, I'm not 100% sold on our offensive line. And I think Saturday night we're going to be facing a better caliber athlete on the defensive line. I really do. And that leaves some concern for me. Now, 
with what Brett, Brett, now if what what Brett Romberg says happens, we rush for 180. That sets open uh, sets up our play action. Tyler Van Dyke, his jersey's clean. Listen, we will beat that team if that happens. But I don't necessarily know that that happens, and that's my biggest concern. You know, um, now let me well, let me just comment on that real real quick. You know, yeah. the offensive line I would have said back eight nine months ago was definitely a concern. Uh, you know, and and then when Zion Nelson has to go get 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 a cleanup and he's not going to be there for the beginning of the season, of course it's you know that's a concern. But I'm looking across the board. Um, I'll start with Jakai Clark, the center that we saw ramrodding the guy into the bench last week. Uh, that guy, for the first time in his career, physically looks like mm-hmm. a college football player. He, these guys have been trained and have worked, credit, all credit to them. Uh, obviously, Aaron Feld gets a lot of credit. But these guys have really, really, really progressed a lot in the offseason physically. Uh, Ja'Kai Clark looks like a college football player now. Uh, to his right, Justice Olaf Wasson. Okay, this is a guy that's a sixth-year player in college football who, in the offseason, was one of two guys that were um, um, clearing 700 pounds, okay, in the weight room. 700 mm-hmm. pounds. I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. Okay, he is a strong dude. He's played a lot of college football. He knows what he's doing. There's nothing he's going to see out there. That's going to rattle him, okay? Um, then you go to his right, um, the lone scape. And um, this is another guy that's played a lot of college football. He's played guard, tackle. Uh, but with this, he's responded really well to this coaching and uh, this style of football. He's the best he's ever been. I'm not saying anybody's about to make him an All-American at right tackle. They're not, okay? Miami will have better right tackles in the future. But he is the best model of, of himself. On the left side, Jalen Rivers is the best offensive lineman on the team. So you're really solid at left guard. And then at left tackle, you got Zion now coming back from his injury. They worked him in a little bit last week. John Campbell has responded. Is John Campbell built for this game Saturday night? Maybe, maybe not. He's made a lot of progress in the offseason. I think you'll see him and Zion splitting reps. But to do what Brett Romberg was just saying that he thinks they are going to do Saturday night. Um, seven, eight, nine months ago, I would have said, come on, man, you're crazy, Brett. You know, you're tripping. Uh, I don't know that it's out of the question. I mean, these guys have really made a lot of progress. And, and, and I'm going to love watching them out there on Saturday night because this is obviously their big test. And um, I agree with Brett. Mario is going to want to stampede this team. He is going to want, because that's how you win on the road. You, you, you do it with physicality. You run the football. You can try to do it with a 400-yard passing game, but that's not going to work the majority of the time. No, I agree. And, um, but, but I do. If this, if this offensive line performs the ability where you think they can, and Brett, listen, it's a wrap. Like, that's my biggest concern. It really is. And, I, and I'll tell you why. And I'm looking at um, – our quarterback is light years ahead of Haynes King. TBD is, is light years. When I see Haynes King um, and I watch him, they have some nice young talent on the outside without a doubt. Evan Stewart's a great ball player. But you watch Haynes King, the biggest concern for me with him is him extending a play maybe two seconds with his foot. 
if he's capping and you have a you know, proper contain on him, you can just sit and wait for him to make the mistake. He's not a very good quarterback as of yet, and I don't necessarily know that he will be this year. Um, the kid's pretty bad, and I and I really do think that our defense is going to be much different than what you've seen in the first two games. You haven't seen a lot of blitzing. Um, he really hasn't been sending the goons, and I really expect fully this week that you're going to see a different Kevin Steele defense. And my biggest, like I said, biggest concern is our offensive line just not playing up to par and we're in a lot of third and eights, a lot of third and nines, and Dice taking hits, that concerns me. But I'm going to be honest, defending Haynes King, I'm just worried about the big explosive play. You know, he extends a play with his foot, with his feet, makes the play, or the running back makes the big play. That running back has big playability without question. And something on special teams that nobody ever brings up, we have to have good special teams. You know, really, um, field position is a big deal. We can't let them pop something big on a kick return. And, and that that's my take on the game. But my biggest thing isn't so much the receiver, it's offensive line. I don't know whether they're up to task. I hope you're correct. I hope Mr. Romberg's correct. Because if they are, we walk out with a, with a W without question in my, in, my, in my mind. All right, man. Thank you so much for calling in. Okay. You have a good weekend. Have a good we'll week. talk to you next week. All right. So I'm going in the comments, and my man AC here says he's glad that I'm not the head coach of the team. We'd already be beat. Texas A&M is a juggernaut, according to me. No, you have not heard me say Texas A&M is a juggernaut. You are now in the Norm Smith Club. Uh, my opinion on Texas A&M is that they were way overrated coming into this season. That has been proven. Um, I, I, I think that Texas kids in general are not as tough as Florida kids, Georgia kids, which obviously, you know, Miami, a team like Miami is built on. They can occasionally put together good teams, but uh, year in, year out, I just don't think that those teams are as tough. Um, For whatever reason, the the teams that are built totally on Texas kids, and I know Texas, many years ago with Mac Brown, had a great team with Vince Young and the whole thing. I get it. Um, They also got uh, Mac Brown throwing run out of town, Manny Diaz run out of town, Charlie Strong run out of town. Nobody's been able to win at Texas. Sark looks like he might have a chance. Um, but uh, so, no, I don't think that Texas A&M is a juggernaut. OK, I do think Texas A&M can be had. But I also know that Texas A&M has some very good individual football players that are going to have to be dealt with on Saturday night in their home stadium. Uh, you know, one of the toughest places to play in college football, over 100,000 fans there. And Miami's going to have to be very good to come out of there with a victory, period. Um, is this team ready to do that? We are going to find out Saturday night. But no, I, AC, I have no way, shape, or form ever said that Texas A&M is a juggernaut. All right, um, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 727 now. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. It's Jake from St. Pete. How you doing? Hey. What's up, Jake? How you doing this week? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, another good game. Another win. I'll take it. Wasn't the prettiest, but, uh, you know, the the this is one thing that, that I've been wondering, you know, the last two weeks is I, during that game I was watching the uh, – the defensive line uh, for a good portion of the game. 
And, you know, the, again, no, no real game plan there. It was just every down you had four guys bull rushing straight ahead. There was very little movement there, I, you know, very, uh, very little done to confuse the, uh, the other team. Um, you've alluded to, and, and many in the media have alluded to the, the tight end passing game and the, the running back passing game and even, you know, the, the downfield passing game. And one of the things that just concerns me a little is they're, they're trying to, to, you know, play this game a keep away where it's like, Oh, we don't want to show them anything until we're playing them. My concern being is just I, I don't know why they didn't open it up a little bit more in that game, especially just to get some momentum going, because I, I don't like the idea of running half the playbook for the first time in a stadium full of 110,000 yahoos, you know, uh, that, that place Texas A&M fans are lunatics. They're, I used to live in Dallas. I couldn't stand A&M people. They're, it's a cult. They're they're Never met a crazier bunch of football hey, fans but, in my but, life. But it's also for the guys that have uh, have good looking uh, dates. It's, it's it's a great experience, man. They they do that whole kissing oh, thing. Oh, let me tell you the talent there. Yeah, no, the talent at uh, at A and M is unquestionable. I mean, it's an SEC school. They, uh, uh, yeah, no, they got the the good looking girls there. But man, they're 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 just they got all these handshakes. They got you know you got to have a manual to go to one of those games. And so I guess my thing is just. I I wish they would have run a little more of the playbook the last couple of weeks because I just don't like the idea of of a lot of these plays being run. You know, you're talking the tight ends have been practically non-existent in the last two games. Now maybe there's there's some talent issues or whatnot, but I don't think so. No. Uh, Will Mallory's plenty talented to get open uh, against Southern Miss or Bethune. And he's been invisible. Uh, Elijah Royal, this is a guy, you know, we've been hearing about all off season. He's, uh, you know, he, he's got his body in shape. He's faster. He's stronger. Hey, Jake, let me throw a couple things at you in, in regard to what you're saying. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah no, I'm, were, I'm interested in your take. Yeah, yeah, they, you, yeah, and you're making a, a, a lot of good points. All right, so they go into the Bethune game, and they're not planning on showing anything, okay? They, you saw what happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they – 70 points better than that. Game. They didn't have to. Yeah. It's doing absolutely nothing. So you're not showing anything there. Um, I think they planned to do a little bit more last week. And I think they tried to do a little bit more last week in the first half. And it wasn't going well. I mean, Southern Miss's defensive coordinator uh, did a very, very good job in that game. You know, they, no were, doing things, they were slowing down the Miami passing game. The, just the whole process, the progression the delivery of the football, Tyler never was able to get into a rhythm. He was being, and then they were finding ways to harass him up front. The offensive line was not performing at the level that it's going to certainly need to perform at this week. Oh, it was, uh, it was ugly. I was there. I think that's why you have the feeling that you have. Now, that said, uh, Mallory is coming off injury, okay? They – they weren't looking to overuse Mallory. They weren't looking to overexpose Mallory. They need Mallory for the duration here. Um, Arroyo has been Yeah, but they never got Arroyo involved. Not as much. No, I, I think he a couple catches so far this season. Um, I think that you are going to see the tight ends 
bust out this Saturday night. That's that. That's what I think. I think you're going to see a lot of Will Mallory. Um, I think you're going to see Arroyo get involved uh, in various ways. Uh, uh, you know, without giving anything away. I think you're going to see him doing different things. And uh, I mean, the guy is really developing and looks really, really good. Uh, I think you're you're going to see a lot more starting this Saturday than what you've seen so, so far. Gary, 100% and Jake, agree I'm with you. Wait your bet right now, if you call in a week from tonight, your opinion is going to be totally different. Oh, I, I, well, here's <laughs> my biggest concern is is just I don't like the idea of of running all this stuff and giving all these looks in front of that crowd, a hundred thousand people. I mean, it, it is a raucous stadium. It, it, it's, the, the, there's, there's few other stadiums quite like that. And if they get a little momentum, I just think it's, it's going to be very hard to break that momentum, especially when you're running stuff that you've only practiced on, on green tree that you've never actually done in a game. And especially with this being a new, uh, a new offense. And to me, I just, I, I see it. I see it this way. It, it, to me, I, I think the result, I'm not going to make a prediction, um, but I, I think it's going to be a blowout one way or the other. I think it's going to be a, a 14 plus point win from either team. And that's going to be the They'll be shutting down that program over there, man. They will go insane. Oh, well, to me, that's like, I, I mean, this, this game, talk about being nervous, because I just think this game is the difference between a two-year rebuild and a four-year rebuild. Because it, I think, look at how many recruits are going to be in that recruiting section. If we can shut that down, I mean, we've got, you got four top Miami receivers, the, the position we need so desperately, and you have four of them sitting on Texas A&M sideline. We need yeah. to shut that down. And, and to me, that just this is so pivotal because that, that game, I mean, because then you take away that excuse, oh, you can't play in the SEC, you can't do, it's like, no, we can, and we will. And quit it with the excuses. What are you coming home or not? You know, um, it, it's just to me that that's why this game is just so crucial. I, I hope uh, I hope it's I think it's going to be a blowout on Miami's end because I just don't think this offense has any talent on it. Uh, they, they got you know this whole team is built on their last two recruiting classes, and that's all great and good. But you don't win anything with freshmen and sophomores. They lost yep. a lot of junior and senior talent last year, and I'm sorry. There's no such thing as a team that wins anything with freshmen and sophomores. There, there just isn't. So All right, Jake. I hope hey, that's man. the case. Hey, yep. Thanks so much Thanks, for calling man. in. See how it Give is next week. next week. I want to see if your, if your opinions change. <laughs> will do. Will do. I hope it's All a right, Miami hey. blowout. You got Take it, man. It Thank you for being part of the show. Let's go to the uh, 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Good evening, Gary. This is Sebastian. How are you tonight? What's up, my man? How you been? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm glad I made the show tonight. It worked hard today, but look, just enjoy the content and what you're having to share. I want to talk about some of uh, the true freshmen. Do you see any of the true freshmen going in this A&M game that you see could make a positive impact on the game? I think you, you might see uh, Inez Cooper a little bit. Uh, as a you know third tight end up there, they 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 rolled that out a little bit last week. Uh, they really love him. Uh, this is not a freshman football game. Um, it really isn't. I mean, 
you know, we'll we'll see some on special teams, and uh, I'm just trying. I'm trying to think who might be part of the game plan for this week. Um, I've been really impressed with Nigel Lee Kelly. And, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, some of those. Press remember, this is, I just think this is an SEC O line he's got to go against this week. Uh, is he there physically? I don't know. Nigel Lee is going to be a great player. Um, give him a year in the strength and conditioning program. By next by next fall, he should be a beast. Um, I don't know. You might see him some tomorrow night. I don't know that you'll see a lot of him. I think you know it makes more sense to play Mesador, Harvey, um, Magude. You know that just to me makes a lot more sense than throwing Nigel e. Kelly out there. What's what, Gary? What's your impression of uh, the wide receiver from Tennessee at I know he was suspended for a game or two. Um, but what's your impression of him knowing that we really haven't had a – we haven't gotten a playmaker at the wide receiver position? I'm just I, wanting to see what you have you he, seen in practice and what are your thoughts? He's looked okay to me. I mean, I would put him in the same category as, as all of them. Uh, you know, I don't think he's coming in and, and taking over the program. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's in the same category as all those guys. Uh, they're, they're all – Decent athletes, decent players. Can any of them bust out and be a dude? Okay, that's that that that's the question I have. Can any of them bust out and be a dude? I I, I think Nathaniel Ray Ray Joseph is going to come into this program next year, and I'm expecting him to very quickly bust out and be a dude. Uh, you know, I don't know that these guys these other guys are going to be able to do that. I mean, I hope one or two of them can. Uh, I just haven't seen it yet. Okay, okay. As I but he's as done I fine. Going he's done fine, though. He's done fine. He's a freshman. I mean, he hasn't looked out of place out there. Let's put it that way. You know, it's all about are we getting the right talent into the program. So if that's what you have to say about him, I think that's positive, and I'll take that. As I went into the season, there was one player I really thought oh, wait, could let me have say had this, though, Just to circle back, Sebastian, based off of what you just said, I'll agree with you on that, but moving forward, I'm not sure that they won't be shooting higher uh, at the receiver position. I mean, like, I, I think that they are shooting higher than that now, than, than, okay. the, level, than the level of guys. And, and I don't want, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, and I certainly don't want to be said that I'm bashing anybody or whatever. I, I mean, it's no secret that the level of talent in this program needs to be upgraded. I mean, look at the, the senior class from last year. None of them, I, one guy made the National Football League, John Ford. Who would have ever thought that, that he would be the one guy? But the level of talent in this program needs to be elevated. And I think that Mario Cristobal is committed to doing that. And I think going forward, you're going to see them want to recruit a higher level of player. Okay. I, I like that. I like that. I just hope we can keep our coaching staff on in place so when we recruit those athletes, you know, we have already have some in the program and we're not having to change systems and stuff like that. Um, as I went into the season, there was one player that I really thought this game would have been ideal for, and that was Trevante Citizen. And it was unfortunate that he got banged up and he's out gone for the season. But to me, he looks like a, a typical SEC power back that really can, like, control a game. 
when it's needed, especially in the fourth quarter. And then I just thought it was unfortunate that we lost him. Do you think we have any anything like that on the roster that you see will make a difference in this game? I think Thad Franklin is a less a less explosive type of guy like that. You know, a, a bigger back who can play physical. Um, you know, he just doesn't have the breakaway speed. Um, but he's been, you know, Thad Franklin's the guy that's been maximizing his ability. I think. I mean, he's making good yeah, contributions. I, I, I mean. First Going line. into fall camp, you probably would have looked at him as the number five running back, and and he's making a I contribution. Looked at, I looked at him as the guy that was going to transfer. That's what I really, yeah, really did, think. I the agree. Whole time. I I did too. I I think you got to give him a lot of credit. You know, he hung in there. He didn't quit. He got you know a couple guys in front of him got hurt, and now he's getting a chance to be the number three guy. And they need him because Knighton is coming back from injury, and he's getting a chance to play. And against the level of competition that they have gone against, he has done a very good job. Um, you know, we'll see what happens Saturday night. Uh, a lot will depend on the style of game, I think, how much he gets in there. Um, but you, you can give that guy nothing but credit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love seeing kids make the most of their opportunities because, I mean, you got to make your shot when you get it, you know, and take it. Um this is my last question. When I when I look at the team moving forward, one of the things that I don't really really know where we're, which direction we're going in, um, and that's recruiting on the defensive line, especially the defensive tackle position. I know Mario is really really determined to make sure physicality is part of our identity, but I don't see that showing up on the recruiting end. What can you tell me? Am I misreading something? Or, you are, yeah, you are. Or you are. Um, how about how about Daryl? Uh, how about Jackson? I mean, Jackson's a you know guy that still has three years ahead of him, who's a very good prospect moving forward. Uh, I think you'll still have a few more years of Leonard Taylor, uh, who you know just needs to keep making progress and uh, pick up the urgency a little bit. Um, and, yeah, I think you'll continue to see them recruit, you know, top-level defensive tackles. It's a very big priority for Mario. It's the reason why you saw him bring so many guys in in the portal. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Gary, put me on hold, but just, just kind of comment on this going forward. Um, what, 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 what's your overall assessment? I mean, we're going to College Station. We're, we're facing a top-10 team that just came off an upset loss. Um, you know what our team is made of. Um, do you, are you expecting us to at least be able to hang on the field? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, we can talk about winning the game, but are you expecting us to really, really be able to match up with Texas A&M as far as being able to put a product on the field that uh, that's going to be able to give us a good game and just keep me on hold? All right, Sebastian. Uh, my answer to that would be I don't really know what we're playing in Texas A&M. Uh, I am mystified by how poor they've looked to start the season. And um, when I looked into them in the off season, I saw a team that felt like it was going to be really good on the defensive line, felt that it was going to be really, really good at, in the defensive backfield. Like Miami, thought that they were a little bit light at linebacker, uh, but they only played two of them. And uh, I was expecting them not to be a top 10 team, but – to be much better than what they've been the first couple weeks. Now, 
I don't know what we're going to see Saturday night. I really don't. I don't know what level team they are going to walk out there and be on Saturday. I have no grasp or feel for it whatsoever. I'm not sure they have a clue. Uh, you know, we got to see who their quarterback is. Um, I think they're going to change the Max Johnson, but we'll see. Uh, but I think they're also going to be a very fragile team. I mean, I think they're going to be a mentally fragile team that, like Brett Romberg says, if things don't go their way in the first quarter, first half, they will be rattled, and they could turn on themselves. I mean, you've already seen some things in the media this week where players were questioning coaches and stuff, and you know, you got Jimbo Fisher uh, openly conceding that maybe there will come a day when he gives up the offense. Uh, you know, that's a defeated head coach. If when you've hung your hat on offensive coaching your whole career, and now you're talking about that you might give up the offense, okay? Um, so we just got to see how this thing plays out. Uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting. There's a lot of subplots uh, to this game, so we'll see how it goes. All right, let's go to uh, – got two more callers left, and then that's going to be it for tonight. We're really trying hard to keep these shows around two hours. Uh, let's go to the 954 – Whoops. Um, let's go to the 954. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing this evening? Good evening, Gary. Jay. How you doing, man? Doing good. First time in a while. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to chime in a little bit. Uh, over a few things prior, I think this uh, game, you know, I think this team, like you said, I, I, you hit a nail on the head with uh, Jake earlier, or Jake hit the nail on the head. This is a young team we're playing that's, I think, hyped up from their last two classes. You know, they had, what, five, six, five-star D linemen, and it seems like Shamar's the only one could get any playing time. The D tackles, Lucas from uh, Arizona, the kid from Lakeland, you know, the the guy from Tennessee who was all everything, and then the, the uh, number one player this year who reclassified. Obviously, they aren't ready. You're not going to play D tackle 40 snaps a game in big-time competition. So this team could be had. You know, they have two big weapons on offense, the Shane Flies and Evan Stewart, the, the number one receiver list past year, obviously, uh, but they can't get him the ball. And, you know, if you can game plan around those guys and our defense comes to play, and that's what I think Mario's going to hang his hat on. I think he's, as you said earlier in the show, the, the offense will be better the second half of the year. There's no doubt about that. I think you'll have an offensive line that gels better. You have a top five quarterback in college football that will continue to get better in the system. He looks a little bit late on throws. He stares down some receivers that we didn't see as much last year. So that's the comfort level. But, you know, you've got to trust what you have in the guy. He, he's a proven commodity, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, he's going to hang his head on beating up on a, you know, a D-line. that doesn't, Obviously, it doesn't have a lot of depth. It really doesn't. Um, you know, I think I saw them play five guys, really, five or six guys the other day. And, you know, you, you take the air out of the stadium with a boring run game, and that's just fine. You know, we were bitching last year how many fourth and ones could we not get because we ran the same inside zone with a 5'9", you know, 170-pound running back. So, you know, it, it's a different game this year. Um, you know, we, we don't have Rambo. We don't have Harley. You you got you to gotta take what you have and – I hope you're right. I hope we do see the tight ends get more involved. I, I do think Rooster will have a much bigger, uh, much bigger role in the passing game, and you know that's that's what I'm looking forward to, and a, and a strong performance by our D line. 
Um, as far as the guy who said, you know, steel doesn't roll much out, of course we have things up that we haven't rolled out. We played, you know, two preseason games, basically, going to say it. And, you know, I think it was great to see some adversity last week. We saw some adversity last year, week two against App State, barely pulled off. This week, or this year, we came back in the second half and, and absolutely dominated. So th- that's, that's a huge step forward, in my opinion, with this team. All right, man. Thank you so much for being part of the show. Give us a call next week. We'll see what happens. Back to the 386. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. It's Will calling back. You don't mind, do you? Um, oh, this is your second call of the night. Woo. All right. Go ahead. Take us home. What you got, Will? Uh, I got two quick questions. I'll be brief. Uh, we, we've been talking about Mario got to recruit, 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 but I want to ask you about the two recruits that about a month ago, recently they two Dade County kids that committed to Louisville. The receiver name was William Flores, and the four-star linebacker, I can't think of his name, but there's been conflicting reports that Miami wasn't interested in these guys. Will, it's a perfect example of what I was just talking about a minute ago um, when the caller was asking me about Isaiah Horton. And I said that, I don't know that he would make the cut, right? You know, that, that like you have a whole group of receivers on this team, and I don't know if they would make the cut anymore. The, the standards are being elevated at the University of Miami. Um, you can't become one of the top programs in the country again if you keep recruiting at the same level that has not worked for the last 20 years, okay? And, it, and, and nobody should be offended. Um, about what I'm saying, it is a fact. The talent level at Miami has not been good enough. And uh, there was a decision made on both of those. They're identical situations uh, that they need to shoot higher than that. And they are. And my last question is, uh, three years from now, will Miami still be playing in the ACC? I don't think they have a choice. Um, you know, I've had this conversation with Dan Radakovich. I mean, you know, right now the teams in the ACC are contractually committed to the ACC. Uh, right now the agenda is how can we make the ACC better? I do think you'll see the ACC expand. Um, I do think you'll see them try to bring more major TV markets into the equation uh, and, and look for things that they can do. Obviously, getting Notre Dame would solve everything. But the general feeling is that Notre Dame is going to stay an independent. I mean, if they would just join the ACC, the ACC would be the third super conference. Everything would be great. Um, So I think a lot of the ACC's issues are going to be dependent on who they can go recruit to come be part of the conference. Um, But right now, the teams in the ACC – are pretty locked in uh, with the grant of rights deals that they signed. And uh, I don't know that we'll see Miami try to break that. Talk to you next week, Gary. All right, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right, everybody. That's going to be it for tonight for uh, Kane Sport Live. Uh, Thank you to all of you who called in. Thank you to everybody that watched and and listened tonight. Uh, Tomorrow night, we've got the Lamar Thomas show. Um, that promises to be a great one. Um, Russell Maryland is going to be part of that tomorrow night. Uh, Chris T. Jones is going to be part of that tomorrow night. 
Uh, so make sure you join us for the Lamar Thomas show tomorrow night. Good morning, Kane Sport in the morning, uh, where I continue to try to knock sense into Matt Shodell. Um, and uh, tons of coverage, as always, on the website. Uh, so for uh, Brett Romberg, Bruce Warner, who joined us for the Point Counterpoint segment, I'm Gary Furman. Thank you for joining us on Kane Sport Live. We'll see you next Tuesday night and many times along the way. Have a great night, everybody.